as powerlifting coaches, because we operate in such a niched industry, it's easy to end up finding advice that simply doesn't apply to us when we go looking for information about how to grow our business. If you're at a stage in your coaching journey where you're starting to feel perhaps just a little bit overwhelmed, whether it be around your marketing or around creating content, the business backend, like managing your finances, or simply just handling your overall client load, I think this episode is going to be a good one for you. Jamie Smith is a Melbourne-based business owner who started out as a personal trainer. As we're recording this episode, his team consists of himself, four other full-time coaches, and an in-house physiotherapist. Melbourne Strength Culture, his gym, is just about to expand their facilities while the majority of their business is run online. The evident impressiveness of this business growth aside, Jamie has a very straightforward way of explaining the ins and outs of what goes into running a successful business, and he shares his experiences in a way that feels very relatable. I was stoked to have this conversation with him, and I hope you enjoy it as well. My name is Isabella von Weisenberg, and this is The Strength Story. Hi, Jamie, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me, and hopefully there's no technical issues with our equipment. Hopefully not. I'm uh, super grateful that you're here and giving me your time because I know that you're super competent when it comes to understanding what goes into being a successful business owner, not to mention being an online coach. It'll be a good opportunity to chat. I I enjoy, um, like many, I think that for in sort of the realm that I'm in and the industry started out as mainly a coach, but Ultimately, the business has sort of taken my passion more than the coaching has and I enjoy building it and I enjoy sharing my, my experiences as well. So thank you for having me. It'll be fun. Well, yeah, that's actually an interesting thing that you bring up because I've noticed that speaking to coaches, it's almost like there's two camps. It's the ones that only want to focus on coaching and they get a bit turned off by the whole idea of marketing themselves and running them the behind the scenes stuff. And then there's this other camp who's extremely passionate about the coaching aspect and how to grow and scale and improve their systems and, and so forth. So it's, uh, yeah, it's noticeable, I think, when you speak to people. Have you, have you seen that as well? Without a doubt, I have 100%. There's, um, there's a fantastic book called The E-Myth Revisited. Mm. Um, I'm not sure if you, have you ever read it? No, I have not. Yeah, well, he he does a really good job of camping people in three sort of areas of a business and the development of a business. And um, the first one is what we would deem to be a technician. Um, and a technician is your true coach. Sorry, my dog is playing with this toy. I've just taking that off her. Um, there's a, a technician, which is a... Uh, somebody who is really interested in the skill set that they're trying to build. So from a coaching perspective, it's your programming strategy. It's, it's all the typical things, your, your communication styles and, and all those things that we all sort of fall in love with at the start. Secondary to that would be somebody that's like a managerial position. Um, and these are the people that are really good in, uh, at, at creating systems and, and formalizing processes and, and going through all of that sort of stuff. And I think that's sort of the first step that, some people take from 
a business development standpoint is you start out as a technician and then you start to build your systems and, and go through those processes and start to analyze the way in which you do things uh, from a business standpoint. And then finally, there's like this entrepreneurial person who you sort of just like head down, run through a wall, whatever the hell happens, happens. There'll be people that clean it up behind you and, 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 uh, and can sort of make sense of the direction that you're moving in. And I think that's sort of the person that I've always uh, had the qualities of. Um, mm. And it just so happened that I fell into strength coaching and all of that and, and it just created this direction. And I think a lot of people start out as coaches, but ultimately if you want to get to a point where you can build a career in what we're doing in this industry, you have to adopt some of that managerial and, and also some of that entrepreneurial strategy, which is actually building something that can withstand growth long-term and support you and maybe some other people because ultimately you probably do need help at some point. Mm. Um, so it's important to set up the systems and start to adopt those sort of strategies. So I can understand how people love the coaching without a doubt. I can also understand how people love the business, mm. but I think you're, you're missing out if you don't adopt some of those business sort of skills along the way because um, there is a tipping point where being a coach will only get you so far from a career perspective. Yeah, you can make good money, but can you actually start to build passive income and, and actually build a career? So, yeah, I, I definitely see how the two camps sort of fall in. Um, yeah, I'm definitely moved into the business world though, without a doubt. How did it, how did it all start? Because I assume that you started as a solo coach. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I started as a just a personal trainer um, who, like most people, enjoyed training, enjoyed strength training, found success myself early and thought, oh, I could probably help some people do this and and entered the industry in that fashion, started personal training, started working for myself, really scrapped through my first three or four years in the industry. I then did an internship into America, into a very well-respected strength and conditioning brand called Cressy Sports Performance. Um, and I did a five-month internship with them and that was where it really opened my eyes as what was possible. And I sort of, when I was in America, reflected back on my time in Australia and, and I identified that these opportunities for young coaches weren't really available to go and really delve them or, or, or deep, deep dive into a different uh, sort of brand or company and learn from them and go through like the process that I went through. And I was like, I want to create this for people in Australia. So that was when I identified it. I probably, I probably needed a team and I probably needed to build something that was more than myself. And that was the birth of Melbourne strength culture, which was just a small gym to start with. It still is a small gym, but I think we are starting to make a little bit of an impact here in Australia with uh, the team of coaches that we have. So it did start as myself, but I did identify that for what I wanted to do in the industry, I, I needed a team. I needed a business, a company, I needed to actually grow this thing far greater than what I could do. And it's one of those things where if you want to go fast, doing things by yourself probably is the best way. But if you want to go far and actually make a big impact, you need people around you. So, um, yeah, that's sort of how I, I got into um, this and, 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 and was able to create the team and, and to create that, that process. Um, it was the ident- identification that I wanted to make an impact and, Part of that is I just couldn't do it myself. So, yeah. 
Well, as we're speaking, uh, there are some really exciting things happening for Melbourne Strength Culture and, and yourself and the team. Yeah, definitely. You just took on yeah, we've... your fourth coach full-time or fifth, fourth? Fourth coach full-time, yeah. So there's five in the team. Um, our physio, uh, mm. he's not part of like my employees, but he's an integral part of what we do at Melbourne Strength Culture. But for the business itself, yeah, there's four coaches. Although I wouldn't really call myself a coach anymore. Mm. Um, it's, not my, it's not my primary hat that I wear, but I still coach a few people. I yeah. coach you easy. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um, there, there's a, I, I have eight athletes under my banner, but the rest of the coaching gets done by the other three coaches. So yeah, it's the four of us working full-time on, on, on building this. And yeah, Didier has just come on as our fourth full-time employee. He was part-time for about nearly two years there. COVID really slowed his development down, but mm. he got there and, and, and we found success with it anyway, which has been great. But uh, yeah, we have four, four full-time employees now um, and a subcontractor, Dan, our physio, who's fantastic. Yeah, I send everyone to Dan. <laughs> He's the best. Yeah, yeah. Dan is the best. <laughs> so four coaches uh, plus Dan, and you're moving into bigger rooms, uh, growing your spaces as well. Our new facility, um, which will be just down the road, um, which will be a fantastic opportunity for us. Uh, it's a little bit bigger. It's it's mainly more office spaces because we actually. We've outgrown, where we're currently at, it's odd. We've outgrown the offices before we outgrew the gym. And if anyone's actually been to our gym, it's not that big, which sounds a bit odd for a real coaching-based industry, coaching-based company. However, as I'm sure we'll discuss, more than half of our business is online. More than half our revenue is taken online. Um, I actually say that we're an online business just with an in-house location because... COVID accelerated it, but all of our systems are online systems. And I think uh, as strength and conditioning coaches and personal trainers, it's important to understand the opportunities that are that are available to us in person. So that's great. But also there's an incredible growth that is the opportunity to grow online and to move into that space. And the opportunities moving forward for our industry, I do believe are online opportunities. So grasping that is important for us for our growth so yeah it's just sort of turned out that <laughs> we outgrew the offices before we outgrew the physical gym which i never thought was going to happen but it, it's just the way it all sort of turned out in the end that's pretty cool i've been thinking yeah. about how you operate as a team and as a brand so you're on you're online your business is mainly online or 50 percent online more than, um, more than 50 yeah. more than 50 yeah and when you think about the coaching industry, usually there's a, as a solo coach who wants to take on clients. And obviously a lot of people start doing only online because that, that's becoming more and more common. And what they have to do is they have to start growing their personal brand yep. to get the visibility and to get people to come to them, so to speak. So how does that work, the difference between growing your personal brand and growing your business brand? Yeah, for sure. Well, this is definitely something that I've uh, I've learned to see the potential of, and and ultimately, like when people when people unpack like like business systems and business structures and all that sort of stuff, a lot of the time people look at uh, like global entities, things like Nike that are really faceless brands. Like, there's a few of them that aren't like Apple. Like, we can understand like Steve Jobs and now Tim Cook and 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 these sort of people that are sort of the front of them. But for the most part, when you look at people like 
uh, like Nike would be a fantastic one where there's no real personal, however, there's no personal face for it. However, there is this, uh, there's this sort of connection that people feel with the brand that is Nike. And it's not because they've, they've married a single person. It's, it's the identity of the brand. It's the, it's the athletes they sponsor. It's the community they create. It's the opportunities they create for, and everyone can sort of interact with that. Mm. However, when we, when we come down to something like a self-employed person or a small team, similar to Melbourne strength culture, like three or four, maybe five employees, even up to like 10 to 50 employees, I'm thinking something like a hybrid performance over in America. That's another really good example of they've got a strong brand. They've got a strong business identity, but mm. there's just as much value and identity of the individuals that work for them as well. So it's definitely something that we have tried to put on the front of what we're doing. It's, it's yeah, Melbourne Strength Culture is a, a really strong community and it's a strong, it's, it's, I believe, world-class coaching and, and, and all of these sort of things. But also it's, 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 for, it's for mates who are building this thing and we're, we're open to just being ourselves online and, and, and showing who we are. We're not afraid to, to like get our personal jokes out on social media and all that sort of stuff because ultimately people need to connect with us before they connect with what we can offer them. And, and, and I think if, if you have a strong identity from a personal branding perspective, and yeah, it is, it comes quite naturally for us, but also there is a process to developing that and making sure that we are pretty transparent with what we do. Um, because I do see the value in the development of personal branding alongside your business branding. And in these small teams and in these small companies, they're so entwined, it's not funny. You can't remove it. Like if we tried to make Melbourne Strength Culture faceless, mm. it just wouldn't, I don't think it would have even close to the, the same connection and, and growth and all of that sort of stuff that we have experienced because uh, ultimately we are what make the brand and people connect with us before they connect with Melbourne Strength Culture. Very rarely does it go the other way. So, yeah. yeah. And with the powerlifting industry, it's it's so specific as well with the with the trust factor and the personality, how that plays into the the end product. Like, I think for myself, I've had athletes on for like between two and three years, and yeah. if if it was just a faceless brand, like it wouldn't make sense for how you actually work with people afterwards. Like they stay on and you build really strong, long lasting relationships. Relationships and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're in a service industry at the end of the day, so yeah. yeah. It's not like selling your product and then never seeing them again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And sometimes that's how people go about marketing. They, yeah. I, know, I know marketing is of interest to you, but people in these service-based relationships, and we've definitely gone through that process where all we talk about is our programming systems and our strategies and, and how we do all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, but it's not until we start. It's not until we start talking about the 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 store. I like uh, I like story driven marketing, but until mm. we start talking about the stories of our athletes and and what they're going through and all of that sort of stuff and how we as the coaches are helping them and and building strategies, it's not until we adopted that strategy from a marketing perspective that we really felt, oh, holy moly, we're making an impact. People are, are recognizing what we're able to do from like a, a pain point perspective and actually. Mm. Um, and actually seeing the value in, that we can create for them in their life. And I think that comes down to being personal and, and, and being relatable and, and having all of those qualities as well. So um, we've definitely gone through that cycle where we went really hyper-technical with our strategy for marketing and it, all it brought us was coaches. 
um, which wasn't a bad thing. We were able to, to adapt and, and offer educational stuff, but it wasn't until we really went down the story-driven personal relationship um, and all of that sort of stuff from a marketing perspective did we start to see, holy shit, this is the impact that we can have and this is what actually speaks to our target market. Mm. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I haven't told you yet, but this podcast is called The Strength Story. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Well, that's perfect. There's a, there's a fantastic book by Donald Miller yes. called Creating a Story Brand. I, that's another one that I'd highly recommend. If, if you're looking for an easy resource to, to start to learn sort of the foundational sort of... Broke up a bit. Do I still have you on? Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, Donald Miller's, uh, the concept he talks about for the people who haven't read it, it's um, positioning yourself a little bit differently. People go into business or into coaching thinking that it's all about what you can offer and who you are and what you do and your backstory and everything, but it's about your client's story and where they are at yeah. in their journey and where they want to go and how you can guide them to that point in their in their journey um, so you're yep. not the hero of the story you're the guide in the story like yoda yep. in star wars <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and you wrote on your instagram I, i'm going to co- quote you wrong for sure now but if i remember uh correctly you wrote grow your business as if you were to teach it yeah yeah yeah, so this is something that I learned from Pete Dupuy in my uh, internship over in America. But ultimately, the development of systems, I believe, is the vessel that gets you to freedom from a business perspective. And a lot of young coaches that I speak to and uh, a lot of people that come into my mentorship programs and all this sort of stuff, they they don't see the light of how they can get to a point where they have built freedom within what they're doing whether that be financially whether that be from just a time management perspective how they can move from being a sole trader to hire somebody and actually um and actually build start to build that team they don't understand how to get to that point mm-hmm. and ultimately it's it's the development of systems and it's it's, it's removing the decision making process for all of the questions that come apart uh, come about within your business growth and, and, and what you're doing from a technical standpoint of coaching as well. And, and the common quote is build it as if you were to sell it, but it never really made sense to me. It never really made sense to the guys that I would help. And then Pete helped me re or I learned from Pete to reframe that into te- uh, like build it as if you were to teach it to someone else. And as soon as I adopted that mindset of, all right, well, when I onboard new clients, if I was to teach some random person how to onboard clients for me, what is the step-by-step process that needs to occur for this? And it's, all right, this link, send them this email, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden you create this system that you can ultimately give someone else and say, you're in charge of this. Mm. Every time that email comes in, trigger this process. And, and that's the development of the system. And as I said at the start, like building your systems is the vessel to freedom. Like if you want to become free in what you've created and actually get to a point where you can sit back and take a little holiday or, or take a slower Monday morning because other people are helping you or you have these systems in place, that is ultimately what we're trying to create. Nobody wants to get to owning a six-figure business burnt out not wanting to work, hating their job. And I'm sure most people have experienced something similar because that's not the goal. The goal is not to make money but hate it. The goal is to make a decent 
amount of money, but actually enjoy it and feel supported, feel fulfilled from the process that you've created and the business that you've obviously created for yourself. And that quote caps all of it. Like you need to build this thing to teach other people, to get support, to get help. Um, and it all starts with just a basic understanding of systems. And it's not just your practical systems of technical stuff. It's also the entire back end from marketing, sales, retention, finance, and all of that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it's, it's the crux of the development of business in my eyes for sure. It's a nice flip as well, I reckon, when you start to think about how you can teach something, you will learn that thing quicker as well because you start to look for where the weaknesses are and how to explain it better and sort of like come up with ways to explain it in a way that makes sense. And when you do that, it makes more sense to yourself as well as you say it. 100%. Yeah. That, um, so we started an in-house internship three or four years ago now and doing that process, undergoing building out this this semi-structured curriculum that I built was the, the the biggest education piece for what we were doing as a coaching team by a mile. Um, it, it really highlighted the areas that we didn't really have good understanding of and and, uh, and and let us see the strengths of what we could provide to athletes and all of that sort of stuff. So it wasn't until I went through a true teaching process of trying to build an in-house internship that I saw and felt exactly what you just said there. So yeah, I can, I can definitely uh, appreciate that notion for sure. It's quite similar in how we create uh, content as well. Like as coaches, the coaches that do manage to build an audience of people with real relationships in them where people are appreciating what they do online. It's usually because they are teaching in their content and explaining concepts in a way that, people can understand like the complicated concepts, not just using industry yeah. jargon, but actually explaining things in a way that makes sense. And I think uh, Melbourne Strength Culture and you yourself are doing that really well. You're quite active on YouTube and Instagram. I'm not sure what other mediums you're using. They're the, they're the two big ones. We yeah. used to do podcasts, but we... Um... We decided to fully invest in YouTube for a 12-month period to see what happens with that, and it seems to be working really well. So I think we'll just continue on that. I don't. I think there will be a podcast coming back eventually, but right now that's on pause. But yeah, the two big players for us from a content creation standpoint are definitely YouTube and Instagram. We have two different strategies with the two of them, but what, exactly what you just said there is the crux of everything, um, and that is that we need to. Sometimes, and, and we again, we fell into this process of, of creating ego-driven content, which is just like a old, um, listen to how good we are. We understand these concepts at a I science level. Smart kind of content. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But <laughs> and as I said, all it attracted was coaches that were interested in what we did, but they were never buying our products. And the third intake for our in-house internship there was a six-month process that we had more internship applications than we had lead generation. Like it was literally, it was ridiculous. Three or four people a week would message us about our internship and we went months with onboarding one or two new clients. Mm. And it just made no sense. I could, at the time, I couldn't see it. I couldn't work out what was going on. But ultimately, the language, the, the, the stories, the all of the content that we produced was talking to coaches that wanted to learn. Yeah. It wasn't talking to clients that wanted to hire coaches. 
Yeah. Um, and it was a massive slap in the face when I was like, holy shit, what have we done? And I used to scroll through our Instagram and open up random posts and be like, who is this attracting? It's attracting these sort of people. It's not attracting the, the end goal client for us. And it was a big flip for us. So we've actually now gone through the, not rebrand, but we've gone through the strategy of what is the basic question we're trying to answer and how can we speak in a way that it, it actually lands with the target audience. And the growth that we've seen since doing that, which really started mid last year, has been incredible. Yeah. Um, even through the back end of COVID and, and now reopening, we're moving to a large, a slightly larger facility, but the team is now full-time and all of that was only possible because we identified that shift in our language from a marketing and content creation perspective. So I'm glad that you've brought that up because it is something that we've really been trying to do recently. So that's good that it's landing. Yeah, well, that's that's such a huge lesson and it, it's... Um it's really the most fundamental aspect of marketing is who are you talking to? (laughs) The messaging behind what you're saying is going towards someone like someone is receiving that message. And if you're sending the message to the wrong person, it's just going to land completely wrong. So speaking to people, they don't understand when I say people, I mean, I am referring to coaches (laughs) generally. Um, They don't understand how, incredibly important it is to get that right because we are in a very science-based industry we have a lot of smart intelligent interesting people creating stuff and leading the way for new fascinating ways to do things and it's all it's a recurring theme that i hear is well i've they feel imposter syndrome like this is sense of i'm not smart enough compared to the other yeah, people yeah. in the industry and the answer is always well are they the ones who are going to buy your product or is it the one who's just starting powerlifting and don't know how to use their leverages in the best way? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, imposter syndrome, I, I think, is something that we will all, everyone will always have. Um, it's a common feeling, and I find sort of a, a, a sense of calmness when when people that I look up to say that they still feel imposter syndrome. Because I think it's just one of those things like we'll always have doubt about ourselves and self-conscious about certain areas of what we're doing. But it's, it's important. I'm, I'm saying this to sort of help those people that are feeling that. We still feel it. I still feel it. I wouldn't even say that I'm that far advanced in the, in the industry yet, but everybody still feels it. So don't, don't feel alone in doing that. You've got to challenge that belief though. And, and the other thing I'll say with content that we've found, when content gets hard to create, like when it's a real, it's a real effort. Like you, you feel like every decision that you're making from a content creation, you're pushing uphill. It's probably because that's the direction you shouldn't be going with your content. Sometimes when you when you just boil it back down to what are my current clients asking me? What are the general conversations I have? That's the that's the direction to push what you're doing because they're the questions of the clients you currently have. So they're the ones that are probably going to come in your door and ask similar questions anyway. So. Yeah. Um, I find when I have the highest amount of imposter syndrome is when I'm creating content that I probably just shouldn't be creating. I shouldn't be talking about all these heavy science, biomechanical sort of things. I should just be talking about, you want to learn to brace better in your squat? Do these two things. (laughs) and It's a lot easier content to create. It lands better. It communicates with our target market better. I feel more confident in talking about it because it's the stuff that I truly understand as a coach. Um, and it, yeah, so I think it, 
listen to the imposter syndrome and, and maybe self-analyze as to maybe why you're feeling it in those processes and in those things. Um, at least that has helped me in processes and my team uh, in content, in specifically content creation is sort of what we're talking about now. But yeah, I've definitely felt that for sure. Mm. I always like to uh, trace my steps when I've made a um, investment of sorts. So I'll go back to see what it was to trigger that in the first place. So if I go back to, well, as you mentioned earlier, you're coaching me and I wanted to learn how to brace better. So, or how to explain bracing. And I went to the Melbourne Strength Culture's YouTube channel, didn't know who you were at all, but you were explaining bracing mechanics. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think 90-90 hip lift uh, was yeah, the Yeah, just video. The basic stuff. Yeah. And I was like, okay, cool. And I read a blog article as well. And I was like, yep, the progression is here, the plank. Okay, cool. And then we ended up going to the gym to get a one-on-one session with you and get it explained in person. Yep. And moving forward... Very happy to have you as a coach now. <laughs> so. Yeah, exactly. And and this is and this is just it. Like, like you are an an ex world record holding squat, like elite of the elite athletes in powerlifting, and you still have the same questions that the the brand new beginner comes in, and it's just some of the ways in which I can explain it. Just communicates well with you and you understand it better you can apply it better you can play around with things easier like it, it, it's you don't have to get hyper technical on, on what you're trying to create it because no one cares the other coaches might yeah. but the target client doesn't even if we're talking about the elite of the elite client they don't care they just want to get better at training what is yeah. the simple thing you can tell them that gets them closer to their goal of just being a little bit better yeah um yeah so i think if you cool ask, that you've gone through that process yeah <laughs> so if anyone's wondering like should i should i write that blog article should i make that youtube video <laughs> yes just yeah. make it yeah. but make i think it and then make another hundred <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> well i think if you ask any athlete why are you working with the coach you're working or why did you read the, why did you like that YouTube channel that you like? It's all about, well, I like the way they explain it. Yeah. The information is repeated everywhere and you can, you can, you can always find the information in many different places, but it's how someone specifically explains it. Like their tonality or their energy or whatever it is, is usually the tipping point for why we like them in the first place. Without a doubt. And it comes back to your personal brand development. Mm. That is the crux of it. It's you've got to be yourself. You've got to, your energy has to come through in what you're creating because that is the attraction for people to be like, I like that person, but that guy gives me the, mm, maybe not. Like that's everything that you're portraying from a personal level is ultimately what, whether it's subconscious or consciously decided by that person and your target market and the people in the, uh, in the market themselves and, and the share of the market in which you can start to get attention from um, is the energy that you're putting out there and, and all of that. So, again, it just comes full circle back to personal development and personal brand mm. is as important as the business as well. Have you ever found yourself in um, a phase or a situation in your business where you noticed that your personal energy was not where you wanted it to be? To create the yeah, for sure. So when we, 
Um, this was before we really had our online streams rolling. This was maybe the first two years of our physical gym. It was just myself and Charlie. Charlie started the gym with me. Um, so he's been there since day one. But it was just the two of us. And we were slogging heaps of hours coaching on the floor. But then also I was trying to run the business. Charlie was still doing other things with his life, playing football and all this other stuff. But the two of us were on the brink of how many productive hours we could produce um, anything for. And we were getting new clients and it was like the, it was the new place to train in our area. Like everyone was like interested in what we were doing and, and all of that, which was awesome. But what took the hit for me was my energy on the floor coaching um, because I wanted to build the business and do the marketing and, and create content and all this sort of stuff. But where I took energy from to create that was my 25 hours of coaching on the floor. Mm-hmm. And my entire mood shifted away from uh, this is a great opportunity for me to, to, to provide a, a value and, a, and an experience for my clients. And very quickly, for me at least, it was like this is a burden. I shouldn't be doing this. I don't need to be here anymore. I should be building a business. We're part, I'm past this, blah, 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 blah. And it went on for about six months. It went through a winter period. So even anyone that's been in the gym, winter generally just brings the mood down in the training environment. It's cold, it's dark. Everybody's gets like that, not seasonal depression, but that seasonal reduction in everything. Yeah. yeah, And that coupled with my approach to viewing that area of the business as a burden and whatever. And I actually, after about two or three months, I had three of our longest serving clients be like, what the fuck are you doing, man? Like, You've, you're, you're, you're making this environment, it's not fun anymore to be here. Like you're always sad, like you're down when you're on the floor and blah, blah, blah. And it was a bit of like a holy shit. Like if those guys weren't honest with me, uh, it probably would have continued on that trajectory. But that was the point at which I decided I need help. We hired, a, we hired a new staff member who could take some hours off the floor. We changed our systems into a more online focused thing where I, uh, Anything online, if you know how to use online structures, it just becomes more streamlined. It really does. Like you don't have to book calls. You don't have to do any of this sort of shit. It's just online communication is just easier communication. Mm. Um, so it started the shift in that approach and it really triggered a lot of the positive changes that help us continue to grow over the last two to three years since then. Um, so I've definitely felt it and it, I thank those people that told me, hey, your energy has completely changed and it's impacting our experience of this place. Um, And I was, I'm thankful that at that point in time, I was open to the feedback because there's been other areas in my life where I haven't been open to feedback and I've just put the ego in front. Nah, fuck you. You got no idea what you're talking about. I'm, I'm doing this. It will work out. But I took that on board and I made the changes that ultimately were really positive for where we went. Uh, in the, the years to come and sort of what's available to us now. So, um, yeah, it is important. And it's also important to have those people that around you that will tell you. Um, and part of this is like a network of even just people you work with. And I've, I've, I've told other coaches that are self-employed that only work for themselves, find people to regularly check in with and, and have yeah. like networking buddies and, and all of that sort of stuff because yeah. it's, it gets lonely and, and you're not aware of what you're actually doing sometimes. Yeah. Um, and, and how it's impacting the experience of your clients, your future clients, the content, all of the, everything that we've already discussed. Like um, having those people around you to give you honest feedback and being receptive to it when it when it actually comes is 
a key thing for growth and it's not just business growth, it's life growth. So, yeah. That's fantastic feedback. I mean, I reckon many people would just leave without telling you. <laughs> they're, they're the long ones. They're still, they're still with us. They're still, uh, they're not going anywhere. <laughs> Remember when I started coaching, I said though exactly this, I said it to, to my friend Bryce uh, Lewis, who was, um, Oh yeah. Established as a coach at the time when I was completely new, uh, I brought up, we had a, we had a conversation at dinner and I said, well, I feel really lonely and I don't get any feedback. I don't know what I'm doing. Like I'm just sitting in my living room wondering what the hell is going on. <laughs> and he's like, well, how about you join a mastermind? And I, like, I don't know what a mastermind is. I don't know how would I do that? What does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> and later on, like a couple of years later, I joined team RTS and we have, now we have eight coaches on the team with RTS and it was just like night and day <laughs> such yeah. a huge difference to have other coaches listen to you when you explain that you you don't know what to do with a client like just that feeling of yep. I don't know what I'm doing here can you help me just sort it out emotionally or mentally or programming wise like everything what, yeah everything so yeah. that's very 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 good advice for anyone who's by themselves is to find other coaches to talk to about. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it just has to be a, a regular check-in where you just discuss all of the thoughts that you've had. Um, mm. And especially when you start to transition like those, those sort of steps that I went through at the start, like the, the technician into like the managerial and then this entrepreneurial mindset, some of those qualities might not come naturally to you. Those, those more business centered um, qualities, but Ultimately, like having even just having anybody to just talk about what you're experiencing and the hurdles you're facing and, and whatever. And if they've got even just a little bit of context from their own experience, both of you can actually move together. You don't have to team up and set up a business together. Like it's just someone to bounce ideas off and all of that. Because um, quite often I find people I de- people see the value in networking uh, and they and they definitely can feel it, but. Often, like you go to seminars and stuff, it's like, oh, it's a great opportunity to network. And I'm like, yeah, if you just shake someone's hand and meet them, that's not networking. Like you need to get to know the person. You need to actually be active in the relationship for networking to actually be just meeting someone and shaking their hand and following on Instagram is not networking. Like it's just not like, um, yeah, like like starting to, to get to know people and, and, and talking about these things that you're all going through. That's That's the true process of where the positive things actually can happen. And I've, yeah, similar. Again, it's just experiences for myself. I've gone through that. I go to seminars and I just meet people and I leave and I'm like, well, I'll never speak to those guys again. What was the point of any of that? Like I should have just been sitting there paying attention to the uh, to the person presenting. So it's yeah. being active in that those processes and looking for the opportunities to actually create that relationship with certain people in the industry of, of similar paths, I guess. Yeah. I guess yeah. being a little bit willing to be a bit vulnerable as well and admit vulnerable. That, yeah. That I don't always know what I'm doing. I need some yeah. <laughs> input here because <laughs> it's easy to think that everyone, everyone else knows what's going on and what the next I, step is. Step is I, I literally, I had a podcast on Saturday and we got to this point in the same, not the same, but the same exact point. No one knows what they're fucking doing. No, no one. <laughs> no one it doesn't matter what level you're at who you're talking to there's doubt everywhere there's imposter syndrome everywhere like all of these qualities are so common yeah 
they're, they're more common than they're uncommon. Um, and it can be, it can be quite, uh, uh, it can ease the anxiety a bit when people are open and be like, actually, you know what? I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I can't answer that question. <laughs> I've yeah. got no idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't make up bullshit. Just say that. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, not sure if it's a popular opinion or not, but like you can tell your clients that as well. Like they will probably trust you more if you admit that you don't yeah. know what to do. You can refer out a big part of being a good coach is having a good referral network, being able to send people to someone else. And yep. that's definitely uh, um, a hard thing to do sometimes yeah. when you want to be the best or you want to be the expert. Yeah. And, and ultimately if you've got the client's best interest at heart saying that I don't, I'm not sure, but I can find out or whatever that is rather than just making something up of what's assumed to be correct yeah. can have lasting impact on people, particularly around injuries. Um, give that to the professionals as quickly as you can. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So you're, um, you are running uh, something called the coach development program. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for sure. Um, so the, so we've, we've ta- talked a little bit about like the internship process, but that's sort of just built into some seminar content, which then just built into some traveling seminars that we did around, um, which ultimately just built into an online mentorship program. And that's what we've created there. It's called the coach development program. It goes for 12 weeks. Um, and it's really just our system of everything that we do at Strength Culture, the four of us together, all of our systems from a technical standpoint um, and, and unpacking that sort of stuff to move forward with and, and educate clients on. So um, that's what the Coach Development Program is. It's all of the technical skill set that we use. It's in its third iteration. This is the third intake. And I'm actually revamping it a lot this time around to, to have more live uh, lecture, le- not lectures, but lessons and discussions. I think the first two iterations were fantastic, but a lot of the content was pre-recorded and and no interaction. And I actually, I didn't get any direct feedback, but I just thought for myself, like, I think the best discussions happen in an organic st- manner when one random question pops up and then it, 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 it out, out, outlays into this entire sort of, discussion on all the, the the variables in which we're sort of educating on so i really want to get back to that like i want to create more of that so it's going to be a lot more live lessons a lot more discussion a lot more practical in that standpoint um there will still be some content uh like pre-recorded content but it's going to be more of just the, the hardened principles of training where all of the discussion of application and everything else is going to be in live lecture formats and, and lessons so bit of a reshape this year uh, as most of our content does happen it does reshape and evolve as we go through uh, and i'm really excited for it um, and it kicks off on may the 10th so about three three four weeks which will may be awesome 10th. yeah so yep. that's a, so that's a um a course so to speak with a live cohort and yep. on the side you have bis- uh, business of strength correct which is yep. more of yeah. a on-demand type of course yeah, yeah, you can just, it's, it's, it's uh, I think the term is self-taught. Um, I think that's the, the rolling uh, verbiage of the industry currently. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, not, yeah, yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> it's self-taught. You go through whenever you feel like going through it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, at the start of the CDP, the, the 12-week program, I initially had business um, and it was just two weeks and uh, 
it's all of the very basic practical skill sets. So I, I break out business in four quadrants um, for, for a coach. We have our marketing as quadrant number one, so better understanding that. Then we have our sales as quadrant number two. Quadrant number three is the retention of your clients. And then quadrant four is the management of finances. Um, so marketing, sales, retention, and finance, I think are the big crux of the back end of your business. Um, and if you can sort of build out some basic systems to better manage those things moving forward, I think you're really going to give yourself uh, a good opportunity to succeed longer term. Um, so it's really just like the entry level to business for coaches. That's pretty much what it is. Hence why it's business of strength, it's strength training, it's it's all of that sort of stuff. And yeah, it's a four, it's, it's, it should be a four-week course, but you could probably get through it a little bit faster. But I do believe that some of the principles that are unpacked in that will really set people up as I've seen myself and as I've seen some of the students that have gone through that have really changed their perception of what is possible for themselves and their business to move forward with. And um, it's been really positive. It's actually been really positive. It's probably been the most positive thing where I've ever created from an education standpoint. And it was never intended to be that. It was just naturally built, but it's just not discussed. And I, I guess that's why like podcasts like this is so important. Like the business things just aren't discussed yeah. that, that are actually applicable to what we're doing. Like, as I said, it's similar to like that that Nike branding. We can't do Nike branding. We just it's not possible for us. We have to use a completely different strategy of personal relationships, personal our personal branding influences, and even that all those sort of things. They're so valuable to understand, but it's not until you actually get taught it and start to see it and get shown where where it's happening and how it's happening. Yeah, until somebody shows you that, you just have no idea. On the, yeah, you just need to be shown in some capacity. So, mm. um, yeah, it's been it's been awesome. I, I really enjoy it, but I have detached it from the CDP. The CDP, I just want to be technical, the technical skill sets of coaching because ultimately that's what I'm best at. The business of strength is really just the small pieces that I've picked up that I think could be helpful for other coaches who were in similar positions to me three or four years ago. Mm. Yeah, when I was struggling. So when considering we're in such a we're in an expanding industry, like powerlifting is growing as a sport, and so is online coaching. And there's, I, from where I sit, I can only see that it's gonna more more coaches are gonna come onto the market and want to do a good job. What do you see that the biggest mistakes are amongst new coaches who are starting out? Um, I, I don't think it's exclusive to powerlifting, but I, I do think that there is an issue with going directly to online without having any face-to-face skill set. Because face-to-face, you get you get direct, constant feedback of is my strategy actually working with this person? Is the way I'm explaining how to do this exercise actually helping them change, or is online yes i do think it's the future but jumping straight into an online behind the laptop coaching and sending voice memos and doing email updates like i just don't think that that should be where you start so it would probably be it's not, and, and that's not exclusive to powerlifting it's it's the industry as a whole in the direction it's going which i think there's just so much value in in-person coaching and you don't have to stay with in-person coaching. The transition to online coaching is probably going to be successful long-term for most coaches that undertake it. But 
at least starting with some in-person strategies and some in-person systems is probably going to, to, to improve the efficiency through which you transition to online, I would say. And then the other side of that coin, I think, is if you've done a couple of years of in-person, there is no reason why you can't begin to transition into a hybrid model that adopts online strategies. Um, things like your check-in processes, I, I do believe, should be done all through online systems. Um, video feedback, even just like setting up a website and not actually taking your brand professionally. Things like having a little bit of a professional flair to your Instagram and all of this sort of stuff. Like these little steps from adopting a more online-based approach, I think will make you stand out from the people that aren't doing anything on that front mm. and, and actually taking a professional viewpoint of what you're trying to create, uh, not just the garage PT that uh, offers powerlifting. It's no, I'm actually a powerlifting coach. This is my website. These are my success stories. This is the services that I offer. And then it's fine tuning all of that into some sort of a strategy, which ultimately just becomes your business model. But um, yeah, taking a professional standpoint, in that online space, I think is important because you've got to you got to differentiate yourself from everyone else, and everyone else is really just doing the same thing. So it's not hard to just offer or or do something in a different strategy or whatever to differentiate yourself a little bit from everyone else because it's oversaturated. It will always be oversaturated. So finding a differentiating factor, which mm-hmm. I believe is professionalism, is ultimately what's going to probably get you closer to where you want to be. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, we see a pretty standard business model is charge a price that you think people are willing to pay for monthly coaching and then take on as many clients as possible to make a full-time. Yeah. 40, 50 clients online, maybe some in the gym as well. How can you get out of that? Like what's the, what's the option if you're working online? Yeah, for sure. So I think it's important to get to those, uh, those feelings. I think it, I think, in order to make positive change, you probably need to feel that stress of being overworked, having not a wait list, but having people that you're like, I'd rather just not take this person on. Like I just, I'd rather not take another client on. Like I think that's important. But ultimately when we discuss capacity and I call it capacity of output, it's, um, or sorry, capacity in this sense, it would be capacity of input. So you don't have any more hours. You don't have any more uh, energy to put into the business to generate more output. Output in most of the sense is just the monetary revenue figure, potentially profit as well, but uh, for the most part, it's going to be revenue. If you're at a capacity of input, you don't have any more energy or resources to put in. You have to understand the term scale, scale and leverage. Um, so scale is generating more output from relatively similar or less input. So we start to talk about things like maybe not group-based options, but options that can allow you to go from 40 online clients to 60 without actually doing more hours in your week. Uh, Less regular check-ins is an option that you could undertake. Uh, More group-based things with templated sort of strategies from coaching. The development of your systems is a process of creating scale in your business because you can automate them. You can hire somebody to help you. You can hire another coach. Um, hiring another coach is ultimately a scalable strategy. It's, it's this business wants to generate more output. 
we can put somebody else that can double our input and it's going to expand the output. So it's, it's understanding that there's multiple ways in which you could do it, but it's going to be different for every single person. And it's going to heavily be influenced by your own strengths as a coach. When we come back to those three figures in a business, the technician, if you're a true technician, you don't give a shit about anything else. Maybe it is hiring somebody that can help you with finance management, a bookkeeper, an assistant or something like that to help take all of that stress off you, to do the management roles for you so you don't have to do them and you can just focus purely on being a technician, playing to your strengths there. If you do actually enjoy the managerial entrepreneurial hats, maybe it's hiring another coach and and outsourcing some of that coach, uh, that, that coaching technical side of things. So it's going to come down to yourself. but. Uh, and your qualities and your interests and your your desires and your 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 strengths and weaknesses, which is ultimately going to dictate the direction you go. But you need to understand scale. And scale is simply just getting more for less. How can I do that? The easiest one is just increase your prices. That's the obvious one, but it's not it's it, it's it's a futile endeavor to just keep increasing your prices, increasing your prices. But it could be that in and of itself could be a good strategy. If you're only charging forty dollars a week for online coaching and you're at capacity and you're burnt out double it and see what happens. Um, That's another strategy that you could. Again, they're all just different strategies with different pros and cons. Um, So it's hard to give generic advice, but starting to understand that. And again, we just turn back to it's a business decision, understanding business, understanding marketing, understanding sales, understanding all of those things, finance, ultimately will give you the light in the direction that you need to move starting to learn and adopt some of those skill sets is really, really important if you do want to make proper growth in the industry, uh, not just hit capacity and sit there for five years. It's like, mm, all right, where's the fun in that? Well, at least that's my, that's, my, uh, that's my bias anyway. Where's the fun in that? Let's do more. Let's dream a bit higher. Yeah. I love that. Jamie, I have probably like 30 more questions for you, but I've kept you for almost yeah. an hour. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Yeah, That's um, this was incredibly, incredibly interesting. And again, if anyone wanted to work with you or your team or learn more about how to create uh, systems for themselves in their coaching business, they can sign up for the coaching. Yeah, strength. Yeah, yeah. The coach development program is open for again the next three weeks. I'm not sure when this is going up online, but May 10th, mm. uh, whenever that cutoff is. But um, the easiest way to connect is just Instagram, really, uh, just J Smith Culture uh, or through the Melbourne Strength Culture page. Uh, for coaching, uh, if it's more of the business-related educational pieces, it's Strength Coach Development is, the, is, is that company. So, again, but if you just come to my page, you'll see all of the things that I'm talking about. So it's probably the easiest place to go. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Amazing. Thank you again. Thank you so much for coming on. Hopefully I can get you to come on for some other time in the future. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm happy to, this is, questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I don't know, the more that I, the more that I talk about my journey um, so far, and again, it's nowhere near ended, but my journey so far, because I think a lot of people feel what I used to feel, which is I, I want to create, something that's bigger than me but I just don't know the process I don't know the steps um, so I really enjoy these topics because I, I know a lot of coaches are feeling similar things to what I used to feel 
the, the, the proper burnout, the, the, the stifled energy, the, all of that. And there's a process. I believe there is a process to dig yourself out of there and be, understanding business is ultimately that process. But I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy to discuss these, these topics and these, con- these content because it helped me so much and I just I know it will help others. So thank yeah. you for the opportunity to continue to, to talk about my experience.